This podcast features three supposed adults who definitely use adult language. They're also supposedly writers who are definitely not procrastinating by making this podcast. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to No Bad Ideas, the storytelling game show where we take the worst ideas on the internet and try to turn them into stories that are actually good. My name is Gabriel Urbina, and I am your first Bad Ideas host. My name is Sarah Jackett. I'm your second Bad Ideas host. And I'm Zach Valenti. You're... Nope, nope, nope. Just kidding. Just kidding. That was That's a good Sean Connery <laughs> Zach Valenti, I will say. <laughs> yeah, it was like Zach Valenti threw a couple yeah, of filters. Is that going to be the third, <laughs> that gonna be the third uh, Wolf 359 character he was going to play? He's just going to be uh, his character from uh, from Hunt for Red October showing up in space. That's there. right. That's right. Dear, dear <laughs> ladies, gentlemen, listeners, everyone, uh, Zach, unfortunately, is out this week. But... We do have a special guest star, as you may have heard. He is the co-creator of Arden and the creator of the brand new shows, Big Score and Apollo Showcase Special Human Resources. It's Chris Dole. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you both? We are fantastic. We're very thrilled to have you back here. You're a grizzled veteran of No Bad Ideas. And we're always (laughs) surprised when someone goes through the, you know, disgrace of being on the show and then they want to come back on the show. No, no, it's never a bad idea to come be on this show. Gluttons for punishment, all of us. All of us, yes. yes. No, and we do do really appreciate uh, you coming back. We're excited to have you, Chris. Thank you. Last time that you were here, we talked about Arden, um, but now you have new things. Do you want to just give mm -hmm. the folks at home the quick elevator pitches for your new shows before we get started on our business today? Yeah, yeah. So the first thing that I have on the docket that is going to be coming out is a show called My Big Score which is a show where I interview different creators about their favorite film scores. It's uh, been a really wonderful experience talking to very passionate, creative individuals about something that often they don't get to talk about Mm -hmm. and something that usually they have a very personal, specific reason to get into. So that's Lots of opinions on it, I'm guessing. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I may or may not be speaking to two people who may or may not show up on, with opinions about things. You'll just but, have um, to see. You'll just have to find out. Yes, um, that's been really wonderful to make. And then uh, the other thing is that the wonderful new fiction podcast app, Apollo, has given a number of creators the opportunity to make a one-off thing sort of whether that's an old old idea doing a special for an existing show and i decided to do this thing called human resources which is basically about a woman who works in the hr department for the conspiracy that runs the world think illuminati think Spectre from the James Bond movies, that kind of thing, starring, I think, someone who will be very familiar to both Arden and Wolf 359 listeners, Michelle Agresti. Ah, um, 
Our favorite, one of our favorites, and one also of our an very dear favorites. Yes, that's true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Actually, if I remember correctly, the very first guest on right. No Bad Ideas Michelle. Ever was Michelle. Yes. Yep. Hell yeah. She kicked it off. <laughs> well, that's exciting. We're very, very much looking forward to listening to those shows. But before we do, we have some business to take care of here at No mm. Bad Ideas. This is the show where we find articles or web posts or just some record of some bad idea that somebody had. And then we pretend that a hyperventilating network executive has slapped this idea down on our desk and gone, I want to pitch for a movie of the week in 10 minutes based on this article. And I want it to be the best goddamn movie of the week that it possibly could be. And so, yeah, so we try to sort of turn these bad ideas into the concepts for good movies or good TV shows or good books or good whatevers. And I have the very first idea this week. Uh, Are you guys ready to jump on in? Hell yeah. Yes. Let us tackle this idea, he said, cracking his knuckles. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, Now, we often have stories in this show that feature that great, great American superhero, Florida Man. Mm -hmm. This is a story that features many, 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 many Florida men who all hope to be like one very particular Florida man. Ah. So that is my that is my tease. Uh, let's jump into the story. It comes to us from our friends at NPR, and there will be a link to the story in the episode description if you would like to read along at home. But the headline reads, The Importance of Being Earnest. An Attorney Wins a Hemingway Contest. Wait, <laughs> what? Those are two? Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. So the article reads, some came in wool fishermen's sweaters, and other contestants had uh, sportsmen's attire. Gotcha. But it was the cream-colored sweater of attorney John Oville that caught the eye of judges who awarded him the title for most resembling author and former Key West resident, Ernest Hemingway. Oville triumphed Saturday over, gasp, 124 other contestants for the title in the annual Hemingway Lookalike Contest at Sloppy Joe's Bar, the Key West establishment where the author was a regular patron during his decade-long residence on the island in the 1930s. The fact that this happens at Sloppy Joe's is the best part of this (laughs) entire story. It can only get better. The Lookalike Contest is a highlight of Key West annual Hemingway Days celebration, which ended last Sunday. Auville said he shares Hemingway's passion for fishing, has written some fiction, and would like to do more writing. And here's the thing, guys. I was reading this article, and I was on the fence about whether it was a bad idea or not. This next bit tipped me over. This is the bit where I was like, nope, this is now a bad idea. So... He said that he would like to do more writing. Quote, every man wants to write like Hemingway, said Oville, who lives in Dade City, Florida, northeast of Tampa. Okay. (laughs) While living in Key West, Hemingway wrote classics, including For Whom the Bell Tolls and To Have and Have Not. That's it. That is the article. But a mild-mannered attorney... Well, actually, we don't know how mild-mannered he is. An attorney mm-hmm. wins the Hemingway lookalike competition and goes on to authoritatively state that every man wants to write like Hemingway. Oh, isn't it pretty to think so? 
I oh. assume that he thinks that every woman wants to write, like, I don't know, Jane Austen or Virginia Woolf. I don't know. I mean, um, I don't think he uh, thinks about that, Gabrielle. I really yeah. don't think he yeah, thinks about that. Yeah, that's the real, <laughs> I just, real. I mean, the first thing I'm fascinated here is that the Hemingway contest is about who most looks, looks like Hemingway. Like Hemingway. Right. And then, then a lot of other like things. Who has been recruited as a KGB spy but was Let very bad at it? Let me start this 10-minute timer. Jesus yeah. Christ. All right, 10-minute timer is running. Now go back to talking about the KGB. <laughs> he was almost recruited by the KGB. Look it up. As a fact. Mm-hmm. The first thing that comes to mind playing off the every man wants to write like Hemingway thing mm-hmm. is about a guy who's convinced that to write like Hemingway, he has to live, live like, Hemingway. like Hemingway and ends up starting at least one revolt, gets yeah. into bullfights. Um, <laughs> yeah, runs with the bulls, goes yeah. to Pamplona. Yes. <laughs> Right, like I think that that is kind of like the more interesting version of it, like you know, sort of someone. Right, there's wants a contest, but you have to spend a year living like Ernest living Hemingway. like Hemingway, and then it's yeah. about like this group mm-hmm. of ten guys who all think they can do it, and slowly they drop out. Mm-hmm. We can call it the year of living Hemingwayly. Yes. For whom the bell? Something. Yeah. 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 I would watch this reality series. <laughs> They've done everything else. They might as well go highbrow, baby. This is this is the right. perfect fit for the HBO Max Discovery Plus crossover. No, no, don't you remember? HBO Max is for men. Discovery Plus is for women. <laughs> yeah, this has to fit into a genre oh, dub. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you were saying uh, something smart, Gabrielle. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that, like, if you did not understand that reference, dear listeners, uh, I am so jealous please protect your brain and don't be someone that reads entertainment industry trade insider news what was it going to say no i was going to say that the problem with the Mm -hmm. reality show version of this is that the you know the medical budget would be through the roof Mm -hmm. because aside from all of the tending that you would need to do for the fights that these men would get into. Right. You would also need to have someone constantly monitoring their alcohol intake and making yes. sure that they are not mm-hmm. about to black out. Mm-hmm. Now, I would be interested, mm-hmm. again, bringing in the war of the sexes aspect of this into the woman that mm-hmm. enters this Hemingway contest. Oh, and sure. How, and, you know, mm-hmm. sort of like how that spices things up, perhaps. Now, yeah, is this a woman yeah. who's consciously cosplaying Hemingway or is she choosing to be like Zelda Fitzgerald against the nine other Hemingways? No, I mean, I think that she's someone that, you know, like mm-hmm. she writes like Cormac McCarthy or oh, sure. like, you know, sort of like that sort of like very like mm-hmm. bold, direct, unadorned, gazing into the abyss style of writing. And everyone kind of keeps critiquing her and being, and, you know, and sort of like holding her up mm-hmm. against the standards of the older, classical, more feminine styles of writing exemplified by the like very well-known mm-hmm. female authors. And so she kind of like decides that I'm going to like draw attention to myself by winning this Hemingway lookalike competition or Hemingway li- live-alike. Mm-hmm. I can't sure. believe that that's some words that just came out of my mouth. Live-alike competition. Yeah, I think for this idea, you have to embrace it. Yeah. Um, oh, but I think there's something very... That, never mind. You were saying something, mm-hmm. Chris. 
I like Cormac yeah. McCarthy more than I like Hemingway. There, I said it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think there's something very interesting about the notion of just how people valorize those old forms of masculinity of yeah. like men could yeah. be men in those days. And this contest being a way for sort of a bunch of guys to be like, oh, I'm not measuring up. I'm not doing it. And then learning like, oh, no, this was insane. Yeah, like I, this was. I have it. This is a terrible idea. Okay. Yes. So <laughs> mm-hmm. there's basically a bunch of like sweet, mm-hmm. sensitive empathetic young men get sent to Hemingway camp mm-hmm. so that they be- can become <laughs> true men. Sure, 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 sure. But right. they end up finding the other solutions. will finish you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. But they end, but, and, and so I, then I think the fun of it is like these kids finding other solutions besides getting drunk and punching people in the face. Totally. Mm-hmm. And just like the utter, utter failure of the program. Um, and, you know, sort of mm-hmm. establishing like non-martial ways to sort of have honor um, and integrity mm-hmm. and, and hold, hold you know, to your sense of self. And a girl can be there, too, who's really into it and then discovers that maybe she doesn't, you know, doesn't need to mm-hmm. be one of the guys in order to be valued. Yeah. See, what I like yeah. about this is that if you go camp of- accepts both, it's fine. It's yeah. Fine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, what I like about this is that it could go one of two ways. Like, you know, it could mm-hmm. sort of end up in this place where, like, the sensitive side triumphs at the end sure. of the day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they do find kind of, like, all these smart ways to adapt and kind of go, like, it's very toxic that we're still valorizing these things. Or mm-hmm. you could go the route of it being, like, the quiet man, but updated ah. for the 21st ah. century. Ah. Ah. Madonna, where it's kind of, you know, like, at the end, it is like, no, just fucking fight the guy. Punch the guy in the face. Look. <laughs> <laughs> We're not saying that you should always do it, but there is absolutely a time that, and that has to, be, to punch the guy in the face. I think yeah. that has to be part of it, right? Mm-hmm. That it's not that, yeah. that you know, using your words is always the best mm-hmm. idea. You should punch a Nazi. It's you should right, do it. Right. But like finding finding the balance that you don't have to sort of adhere to this kind of mm-hmm. bullshit code all the time for the sake of it. You sort of sort of need to like yeah. be present in whatever moment you're in. Yeah. And also getting back to that binary, like, you know, it's the 21st century. It should be queer and it should be yeah. trans as well. But it's like there's different forms of sort of masculinity and femininity that embrace all of those that embrace the whole spectrum whereas this is coming in with a very specific they're trying to teach the kids this very specific old world kind of no this is this rigid one way now almost a century away from his golden era in the 30s yeah it's true it's true yeah yes you should divorce Mm -hmm. four wives Absolutely. That's what you should do. <laughs> yeah. You need to go out on the sea for 10 days to punch a marlin. Look, Sarah, Sarah, you need to have and you need to then have not. Like, you know, I, like you don't have. True. You know you what? You don't write that work if you don't do both, okay? It made Lauren Bacall's mm-hmm. career, so I can't fault it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nope. Not yeah. at all. <laughs> Go watch mm-hmm. The Have and Have Not. It's a good movie. It's a very, very mm. good movie. Yeah. How much yeah, time one of those do movies we have? That, uh, you have a minute and 50. 
Okay. Yeah, I think, and and then obviously, like the antagonist is the sort of leader mm-hmm. of the camp, played by Nick Offerman. Mm-hmm. Of course, <laughs> not yes. um, not J.K. Simmons. <laughs> oh, J.K. Simmons can be involved too. He can be like the managing mm-hmm. director because J.K. Simmons sure. would grow a magnificent beard for this. Yeah, I also want to throw in uh, Holt McCallany as possible mm-hmm. instructor here, like from Mindhunter. Like, feels like he should just be there. He's just that kind of guy. And they then for a title, Hemingway Camp. Like, that's what it says. Yeah, it's in. just yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's fight some bulls. That's the tagline. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Corey Stoll can also come and be involved somehow. He can can kind of just like be around somewhere. Yeah, he can play the ghost of actual Mm -hmm. Hemingway. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, some, like one of them can go on like a vision quest and right. see the ghost of actual. Yeah, they get caught out be, of the ocean. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> who would be horrified at this? At, at all, all of this, this happening? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. Uh, well, you have thirty seconds. Any last stray thoughts on this? Any good set pieces for Hemingway Camp? Uh, the the drinking contest where there's like no we have a a license for you to drink even though you might not legally be able right, to right, right you just oh, gotta yeah, oh, do this, it this, this has to happen like in an island that is technically international waters yeah no this this like, can't yeah. happen where the laws of, of man rule yeah, yeah. Set pieces. Right, there, one has there, to involve a urinal that's all I've got to say that, that's pretty good and like yeah and there are check ins to make sure that you're not not drinking you know right. it's kind of a like right. hey 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 like, you know, we see you put that whiskey cup down, but only after you finish the whiskey mm-hmm. that's in it. All right. That's we're now done. Yeah. That's that's time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ernest Hemingway isn't a bad writer. I'll just throw that out. No. There. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm so annoyed that it came up after the time that there that we didn't pitch a contest of who can write a story in fewer sentences than for sale baby shoes never worn. Someone mm-hmm. has to top, top has that. To but top alas, it. it was outside of the time. That's not in the series. That's alas. not canon. Alas. Alas. Season two, Season baby. Two, baby. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sarah and I are getting to that place where, like, the hive mind is taking over, clearly. Chris. So, uh, Chris, yeah. we need to move along. Uh, you, okay. you, uh, you've actually, you're, you've not only come back to bad ideas, but you are stepping up to Thunderdome because you said that you wanted to bring yes. an idea into the fray. Yes. As a, a guest to your house, I decided I should bring a gift. That's so sweet and of you. Yes, we yes. really appreciate it. The gift. Is it a poisoned apple? (laughs) Well, we shall see because I am presenting you with one of three options. Uh, Yes, one option involves is also a literary option. Okay. Okay. One option involves a small town taking a creative solution to a problem. Okay. And then the last option is a dispute over something which may or may not exist. Ooh. Ooh. I always like uh, disputes about Yeah, things. I'm intrigued. Yeah. I'm intrigued by that third one. All right. Let us go with the third one. And the headline, Treasure Hunters Allege the FBI Made Off with Civil War Era Gold and Covered It Up. Of course they did. Uh, sure. I mean, All right. yes. Great. Sure. Beautiful. Great. <laughs> 
the FBI either lied to a federal judge about having video of its secret 2018 dig for Civil War era gold or illegally destroyed the video to prevent a father-son team of treasure hunters from gaining access to it. An attorney for the duo asserted in new legal filings that alleged government cover-up. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, this the is so FBI. much more than I hoped for. <laughs> the FBI has long insisted its agents recovered nothing of value when they went looking for the fabled gold cash. But, but this, this father son duo knows better. <laughs> yeah, but Finders Keepers, a treasure hunting company that led agents to the remote <laughs> woodland site in Pennsylvania in hopes of getting a finder's fee, suspect the FBI found tons of gold and made off with it. After Finders Keepers began pressing the government for information about the dig, the FBI initially said it could produce 17 relevant video files. Then, without explanation, the FBI reduced that number to four. Last week, under court order, the agency finally revealed what it said were the contents of those four videos, and it turns out all had been provided to the FBI by Finders Keepers co-owner Dennis Parada himself weeks before the dig at a time when he was offering his evidence for buried treasure. Oh, Dennis. Oh, boy. The FBI did not say it had any video of the actual excavation, which Finders Keepers is seeking. The treasure hunters say they have evidence the FBI indeed shot video of the dig, and they are seeking sanctions against the FBI for what their lawyer cast as a blatant, bad faith effort to mislead. On March 13th, 2018, Parada's hidden trail camera captured what appears to be an FBI agent in front of a video camera at the hillside dig site, with other agents in the background. The trail cam image was included in the legal filing late Friday by lawyer Ann Weissman, who represents Finders Keepers in its Freedom of Information Act lawsuit against the government. The photo either suggests the FBI has falsely claimed to have no other responsive videotapes or the FBI illegally destroyed responsive videotapes in an effort to circumvent the Freedom of Information Act's disclosure requirements. And now so there's more details here, which is like the government had done a geophysical survey commissioned by the FBI that suggested an object with mass of up to nine tons in density. Gold was buried at the site. It's The site is at a dense run, about 135 miles northeast of Pittsburgh, where legend says an 1863 shipment of Union gold was either lost or stolen on its way to the U.S. Mint in Philadelphia. The agency has adamantly denied it found everything. The treasure hunters say the FBI has consistently stonewalled. Nice um, pun. Good job. Good job, article writer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In addition to seeking legal fees, Weissman has also asked the court to give finders keepers the ability to depose three FBI officials, the head of the art crime team in Philadelphia, whoever saw the dig, the videographer shown in the trail cam steel and the section chief for records dissemination. They want to answer two questions. Did the FBI create videotapes during the excavation? Now the picture seems to answer that question. And if so, what happened to those videotapes? And the Justice Department is denying everything. So that is what I have brought you. <laughs> Impressive. Impressive. Truly. I mean, 
So, you know, so like there is something pleasingly funny about sort of that, like, you know, as with any time that somebody accuses the FBI of something, it's just kind of like, I'm going to accuse you to yourselves and then you'll yep. investigate <laughs> this. And when you get to the bottom of this, you'll sure be shown by yourselves What's what? Mm -hmm. FBI uh -huh. internal affairs is just that picture of Ben Affleck on a balcony with a cigarette. That's all. Uh, anyway. Or possibly that picture of Ben Affleck on J-Lo's yacht recently just lying there. Oh, sure. Not a care in the world. I'm much happier. Yes. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> I do also just like the words art crimes art like, crime you know, like the mm -hmm. art crime i feel that like that's a good you know title for mm -hmm. something also um, love a cache mm -hmm. of cursed gold because i've decided that this gold is cursed oh yeah, yeah it's, it's gotta be right? gold like yes yeah it's absolutely haunted yeah <laughs> yeah i'm just not quite immediately seeing like a way to get these pieces to fit together like i don't yet have like a hook into this well, you know, here's the thing. So the the treasure hunting team in the real the story Sun is Duo. a father. Yes. So maybe this is a family legend mm -hmm. of maybe an ancestor made off with the gold and lost it. And this has been this thing going in the family. It's like, oh, if only we could find this gold, we'd be set like all our troubles will be okay. solved. Sure, like, sure. Yeah. If we're going mm -hmm. in that direction, I want to make the slight adjustment of mm -hmm. it's a like they're they're trying to get somewhere in order to settle this. They're going on like a vacation mm -hmm. or somewhere, and it's three generations of men in this family. There's like grandpa mm -hmm. who is read into the conspiracy, who is like you know like mm -hmm. all on board, one hundred percent. They stole this money; it was our money. Like we would have been able to deal with the curse, but like come on, like you know like believe mm -hmm. in it. They lied. They falsified the evidence. If you look at it, the reflections are all wrong. Blah 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 blah. One generation mm -hmm. down is his son who is completely skeptic, who is sure. just kind of like, nope, nope, mm -hmm. this is stupid. I grew up believing this crap. I wasted so much time when I was young being driven around to like, you know, mm -hmm. uh, all these like crazy things. And now my dad is too old to take care of himself. So he's living with me and my son. But no, I am not falling for all of this, you know, crazy talk mm -hmm. all over again. Mm -hmm. And then his the, the young son, who I'm guessing is kind of like an, a teenager, yes. can be a little bit in the middle, like can kind of be a little bit sort of in this place of like, do I believe this? Do I not believe this? Is mm -hmm. this just kind of like an old wives tale that has been passed down by the family? Is there something to it? And then of course they need to kind of decide like, you know, is the road trip staying on track to go to the Grand Canyon and just kind of have like a nice time looking at the vistas? Mm -hmm. Or are we going to divert and go to, you know, Black Spire Mountain, the site where grandpa has finally decoded the messages and been pointed to mm -hmm. as the place where this hidden cache of gold has been taken by the FBI or something like that? Oh, yeah. So the, I think the thing to clarify in that is how involved the FBI is or isn't like this could be a story that exists without the FBI or they get oh, there yeah, totally. and like realize it's real because it's like an FBI black site um, sure, and they sure. need to like avoid the agents. Mm -hmm. Or the other thing that could that could be is that like they're sort of um, the, the, the skeptic son who has taken in their father. But there's also a brother who's in the FBI mm, and is like, I mm, am going to use yes. the leverage of this organization in order to finally find that gold and keep it for myself. 
Interesting, um, interesting. So there's I lots like of there's that. lots of different ways yeah. that, that that we could tweak this, but I like this idea of road trip across America mm-hmm. that becomes road trip to find the Civil War gold. No, and I'm going to make it just like a little bit more twisted. What could be more American than going and hunting for Civil War gold? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it a little bit more twisted even. Mm-hmm. So middle middle generation, the dad, yeah. he mm-hmm. was one of a pair of twins. And when they grew up, they were, you know, their father's treasure hunting apprentices. They were completely read in. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the dad, he kind of lost the faith when there was a tragic accident where his mm. twin brother died, I see. except he didn't die. He was taken in by the FBI and, uh, <laughs> you know, brainwashed into becoming part of the secret keepers. Or maybe he didn't die, but they're just like, he's dead to us. He's right. sure, sure, the enemy. Sure. Right, right, right. <laughs> right, right. Right. But, yeah, but like, like there is some, there is some, there is some mention mm-hmm. early on of kind of, you know, this is just like what happened with Bobby. We don't talk about Bobby anymore, Dad. You know, like whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I do like the image though of you know Grandpa and Grandson chained around the map so that the Dad drives them to Black Spire Mountain without realizing that he's yeah, been yeah, taken yeah. off course. They get there; it's like an mm-hmm. FBI compound. Then Grandpa is like, "Aha! Who's you know?" Who is completely delusional now? This and the could other be a two crime like, scene, Dad. There could be bodies buried with treasure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why the gold is haunted, because a lot of people died going for yeah, that yeah, treasure. Yeah. <laughs> no. And I do totally, think we need totally. to I, I was I was making a joke mm-hmm. about the haunted gold, but we should we should decide if it's like for real cursed or if it's just like gold tends to make people behave uh in in uh, sometimes violent ways. Um, hmm, that's a good question. And I imagine that if there is a supernatural element to it, it would be present the way that mm-hmm. like the supernatural is present in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Sure. Where there is a lot mm-hmm. of mention of it, but the mystical powers don't really show up until the very end of the movie. Um, like there might mm-hmm. be sort of some veneer of, this is special gold. This is the gold that has the spirit of whoever, whoever, whatever. But it isn't until the very, very, very end that they are confronted with that, if it is there at all. I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. For most of the movie, it seems like it's just a treasure of the Sierra Madre type thing, where it's like, I know what gold does to men's souls. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right, and it would need to be like a truly vast amount of gold. Like, mm-hmm. it would need to be kind of a, like, life-changingly gigantic pile mm-hmm. of gold. Right. Or there's something buried with the gold that is... Even more valuable. Know, even yeah. more valuable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that might be, like, an interesting plot twist of kind of, you know, like... Like, it's not the gold mm-hmm. that's important. Yeah. Right. Like, if it's a gold mm-hmm. mine, then it's like, wow, I can't believe that, like, you know, the government went through these lengths to keep this gold mine hidden. And then the FBI guy can go, oh, have we not talked about the uranium in the mine? You know, like, <laughs> who cares about the gold? Yeah, you know? Civil War era, Civil War era at a bomb. <laughs> yes. With, uh, <laughs> just to be 
clear we have one minute 40 seconds remaining okay well um, it would be interesting though if it was kind of a like this like mm-hmm. legendary mine that was like loaded with gold but everyone that went mm-hmm. in there died and got sick yeah and eventually it was kind mm-hmm. of like revealed like oh no 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 it was <laughs> like we figured out what it was <laughs> it was a shit ton of radioactivity that's what was going on there aliens mm-hmm. sorry i just had to do that <laughs> it's not aliens the answer is not aliens <laughs> yeah 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 uh, a, a truly phenomenal role for um, for someone to sink their teeth in as the um, as the grandfather, like the kind yeah. of role that, like, I think, like Jack Nicholson would have been great for oh, uh, a couple yeah. of years ago. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I mean, Absolutely. I'm trying to think of like who who are who are our old coots? Can Bill mm-hmm. Nye do an American accent? I'm not sure. <laughs> that would be. I'd love to see him try. <laughs> is is Alan Arkin now retired from acting? He's I think extremely he old. Is. But yeah. Alan Alda, mm-hmm. maybe and one Tommy more movie, Lee Jones. Baby. Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones could be interesting. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or or Bill Murray could be good for something. Bill like Murray that. would be yeah. great for this. Mm-hmm. It's been a minute since yeah. he's done something that's that's got a dramatic edge to it. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and obviously it would ultimately be sort of like we've been kind of talking about like all the fun okay. glittery surface stuff, but it would yeah, be about like the, the about yeah. the family and the bonds and yeah, all yeah, this yeah. stuff. Intergenerational, and, you know, yep, 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 mm-hmm. all that stuff. Something, something family was the real treasure. Yes. And at the and end, the grandpa that was the golden uh, yep. All right. Yes. Family is the real treasure is how we conclude it. Lovely, <laughs> lovely. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll need to come back another day and think about what it's called. But that's fun. That's fun. I think that got to a good place. Yeah. 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 No, I would want to watch this movie right away. Honestly, <laughs> it sounds great. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see if we can get some of our contacts on the phone about making this happen. Uh, while we do that, dear listeners, mm-hmm. um, tune into these uh, quick messages and we'll be right back to talk to Crystal about his new projects right after this quick break. Hello there, Zach Valenti, jumping into this episode with this brief reminder that we have an active Patreon page to support the production of No Bad Ideas and all the other crazy worlds we're building behind the scenes. To check that out, scope the sweet rewards we offer for monthly subscriptions, as well as how to sign up yourself. Head on over to nobadideaspodcast.com support. Once more, that's nobadideaspodcast.com slash support. If you already support the show, we so appreciate that. And regardless, thank you for listening. All right, let's get back to more No Bad Ideas. What lovely messages. Those were lovely, lovely messages. Um, whatever we were just telling you to do, you should do it. It's just going to be amazing. Trust us. But before you rush off to do that, let's talk to Chris a little bit about... Um, so, 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 Chris, you're having kind of a, um, a productive period right now. Uh, you have yes. not one but two <laughs> new shows coming out. 
why don't we start with the big score? Uh, how did the idea for yes. that show come about? Well, um, let me dial it back a long ways. Um, okay. Which is that, you know, when I was three years old, I saw Fantasia for the first time. It, this was 1990. It had just come out on VHS, come out of the Disney vault for the first time. And it's the first movie I can remember ever seeing. Like, I, I know I, like, watched some videos before that, but this, I still just have a such a vivid memory of, you know, being there in front of the TV and watching that. And, you know, my mom would still tell stories about how when I would, to visit her at work, I would be telling her co-workers about how Stokowski was conducting with his hands and like <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, you know, just Amazing. this little three-year-old bothering these housing and urban development lawyers. Amazing. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that's the moment kind of when I fell in love with storytelling and just the sheer clarity of the the duet between visual and sound and it really just stuck with me and like as much as writing books and writing classes and just experience writing has taught me about storytelling there's always been this added musical element like like the thing the next big thing that i think made me fall in love with the movies and want to be a creative person wasn't the Star Wars movies wasn't the Star Wars Special Editions. It was the two disc scores that came out with the first time those complete scores had been released. Totally. Ever. And just sort of listening to those and coming up with my own story that would fit the emotion of it. And like I've been writing since I was very young, but I've also been playing piano since I was six years old. And that, I think, has taught me as much about storytelling as, yeah, as the actual act of writing. Yeah. As, do you mind if I do a brief demonstration? Please, please, by please. all means. I mean, okay. you should absolutely take advantage of this phenomenal setup you have where you are, you yeah. are mic'd up over a piano. I think people should know this. Yes. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play through a couple minutes of Chopin's Ballade Number 1. And then I'm going to go back through it and explain how it tells a narrative. And then what the things, as a writer, you learn from telling a story this way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. 
Okay. <laughs> so what you have there is just the opening section of this blog, which is kind of like it is it is a more narrative piece of music perhaps than of other instrumentals, but you can still sort of assign a story to it to so you can assign a narrative to it and you what you need to do is figure out a narrative that matches the tone shift. Okay. And so uh, the, here's the narrative that I give this piece, which is we start in a kind of aspirational moment. The, and then we get pulled back to Earth. And then we're sort of waking up out of this dream. And the mundanity of the everyday is established. And the normal routine. And then we try to break out of it. There's hope. into the normal. Then, no, we're going to fight against this. We're trapped and we're trying to get out. Lovely. So what I think you learn as a writer from playing music is you learn emotion and you learn tone and especially tone shifts yeah. and how yeah. to navigate those at the and drop the of the hat. Of them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, like this is like this piece, if I were to go on, it's a really wide ranging piece with like... Serenity, and then like the, the climax is. Like, <laughs> like great violence in it, and you have to be able to jump from like one to the other. Like, actually hit the mic there trying to snap my fingers, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you that is, those are the skills you learn mm-hmm. from well, being a musician. It's the purest form of creating patterns and then breaking mm-hmm. them, which is so often what you're doing mm-hmm. in in writing as well, but just in a slightly more mm-hmm. weirder, diffuse way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And so, like, so I've always, to tie this back finally to uh, my big score, <laughs> um, 
Yeah. What I've always been fascinated by with sort of the interplay of music and visual storytelling or oral storytelling, like the score is so important to Arden, like, um, is the way that the, the two interact and that, like, we don't, like, we might have a poster of a film up, especially if we're, like, in college or whatever. Mm-hmm. If we're interested in writing, we, maybe we have a screenplay PDF downloaded, maybe we have a few. If we're real, like, if we're real heads, like, we'll have a bunch, but, like, that's not necessarily something you're going to see on everyone's mantelpiece. Yeah. But I would wager pretty much everyone has at least one playlist where they've got a film score on it. Like maybe it's workout, maybe mm-hmm. it's motion, maybe it's relaxing, maybe it's Something. to have in the background while you work. Yeah. And it's also the way I think a lot of us get introduced to different genres of music. Mm-hmm. And so I've been thinking for a very long time about doing a film score podcast. And then I finally hit on this idea that, yeah, this is a thing that so many of us have very specific feelings about different scores, different pieces that are also tied up and often something very personal. So why not have the show be about that? Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Now, okay, Chris, are you are you recording this from home? Like, are you in the comfort of your own home right now? Yes, I am. So you're not going through a tunnel? No, no, I'm not. (laughs) This is a a throwback to last time around when Chris refused to answer some of my more incisive questions by claiming that he was in a tunnel. Um... What is your favorite film scores? Uh, Let's say, like, top five. Top five. Yeah, I'm going to disallow both Fantasia and 2001 because those weren't written. Pre-existing scores, right. Yeah. Yes. I think think the judges will will agree with you there. (laughs) Yeah. We'll set those aside. Okay. I'm going to say... uh, the Empire Strikes Back. Okay, uh, nice. will be my will be my Williams. There you I go. I think it's a yeah a standard enough choice for him, but I think it's it's an almost undeniable score. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's the score that I think even more than the original one codifies that franchise. Empire is when the Imperial March really mm-hmm. comes into its own, yes. right? Like, that's kind of where Han that, like, yeah. motif. Yeah, Han and Leia. Also Han yeah. and Leia, also Yoda, also the asteroid fields. Like, it has the best end credit suite of any of yes, those films. Yes, it does. That's yeah. true um, facts. Mm-hmm. And that's a big, important factor when you're judging Star Wars scores, yes. is the end credit suite. That's very important. So, yeah, that's my pick. Uh, All right, we'll say that right. for number one. Yeah. Or these are yeah. not in any order, but like that's your first pick out of five. Yeah, that's my first pick. I will choose uh, Joe Hisaishi's score for Spirit of the Way. Yeah, got to do right. it. All right. Got to do it. Yeah, yeah. I briefly thought about choosing Porco Rosso for him because that's a wonderful score. Ah, it is a wonderful score. The, the Madness Suite from Porco mm-hmm. Rosso is something else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I I, I would go with Mononoke. I think that that would be my favorite of the Hisaishi scores. I yeah, I think but, Spirit of Away on its own holds more weight, but I mm-hmm. I I think that yeah. like, something about Porco Rosso mm-hmm. and Mononoke, um, and I would argue the Wind Rises is that they sort of fit mm-hmm. with their the the imagery in a way yes. that is just unspeakably beautiful. Yeah, yeah, but I go with Spirited Away, like because it's so I find that score so profound. Like the first time I saw that movie, it was at a revival series that the uh, American Cinematheque was doing in Los Angeles. And so I went to the Egyptian theater. I had never seen it before. I was, so I was seeing it on this gorgeous big screen mm-hmm. restoration. And the movie starts and one summer's day, mm-hmm. it gets playing. Yeah, and like literally just notes. like a minute and a half in, I am so emotional already <laughs> just from oh, yeah. that. It I think that might be the single best opening piece of any score. Mm. It's mm. so incredible. Interesting. Um, all right. All right. Yeah. You've heard the so, dude that so does spirit. Chopin versions of uh, mm-hmm. the Spirited Away score, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and I also, from that short score, I just got a shout out. I think one that people wouldn't necessarily pick as much, but I love Sootballs so much. It's such a mm-hmm. great, like, Sanson style, like, Carnival of the Animals piece. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, I think the next one I will choose is, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go for a real curveball here. I am going to pick, and, and I don't know if this is one of the five or so best, but it's one I listen to frequently. Mm-hmm. It's one that is is a standby on my writing playlists. And also is the one that will be featured in the prologue for my mm-hmm. big score. Where I, sort of, yeah, The Brothers Bloom by Nathan Johnson. Hmm. Um, you know, I've never seen that film. Yeah, it's a it's a lovely film. Uh, it's Ryan Johnson's second about a pair of con man brothers trying to do a score on a rich sort of housebound woman played by Rachel Weiss. And it involves taking her on an international jet setting adventure where one of them starts to fall for her. Lovely, um, lovely. That, I mean, it sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a really fun movie. But I think what johnson does it in the score is it it's an, a surprisingly rich thematic score that is also mixed with so much like like 60s and 70s european jazz influences and classical influences and it ends up giving the film so much heart mm-hmm. and it it's a film that could very easily become just wacky nonsense yeah um, <laughs> But the score enriches it so much, particularly uh, the final track, which is the track I will specifically be talking about in the prologue to my big score, The Perfect Con, which is the track at the end of the film. So I won't spoil what happens sure. in it, what it's scoring. But it, what it does is it takes this theme that's been used throughout sort of for the brothers that... 
it develops it so that every single time we hear it, it has a new emotional resonance and it going from a very low place to this incredibly cathartic, joyous, liberated place. I find so emotional listening to it that it is genuinely whenever I'm writing the end of a project, I'm thinking about that piece of music mm -hmm. Incredible. and the emotional journey it goes on. Nice. All right. So that's a solid three. What's four? Yep. Four. Well, uh, let's go for North by Northwest. Yeah. Just a little Bernard Herman in there. Oh, yeah. And that is like he might have written technically better scores. And I know the thing people think about for him is the psycho. Sure, sure. Or the psycho strings or maybe they go with vertigo. But North by Northwest is so much fun. That theme is so incredible. It is. It's yeah, it's just electrifying. And like the score when they're climbing down Mount Rushmore at the end is just such perfect movie action climax score that's encompassing so much. It's so much fun. It's just him so liberated and just this incredible, joyous, maximalist, suspenseful, like it's it's like one of those like it's almost like this big bowl of popcorn movie like i am sitting down i am here for a good time yeah, and totally. i'm going to get it mm -hmm. and number five with a bullet number five with a bullet oh boy this is a tough one there's like four that are are fighting for it but you know what let's do a score that seems like it's going to be totally at odds with the film that it's portraying and instead ends up being the perfect match for it, The Third Man. Oh, love a zither. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. a great choice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's again, it would seem like the exact wrong choice to score that movie, to score this like dark European noir with this incredibly jaunty zither and have that be the only <laughs> instrument. And yet... It somehow it really ends, comes together, yes. Yeah, it ends this, in, it gives this incredible like whistling past the graveyard. Like it it scores the, the obliviousness of the lead character, the movie that he thinks he's in, that he thinks he's on this jaunt here. Um, and the ending shot when it's going is so emotional. Yeah, that ending wrecks me um, every time. All yeah. right, lovely. Uh, those are five tremendous picks, Chris. Mm -hmm. And listeners at home, I think that this has been a little bit of a simulated preview of the kind of conversations <laughs> that you will get if you tune into this big score. Um, now, when is the show coming out? Is there a release date or is it still coming yes. soon? Yes. In fact, on April, uh, on August 7th, uh, you're going to be getting a little two, two and a half minute teaser for right. the show. Amazing. The is going live. Then on August 15th, the prologue is going up. And then... On August 29th, the first full episode of the show of My Big Score uh, goes up. 
with a guest who may or may not be on this podcast <laughs> talking about a a film with a TV show that may be coming out around that time. Who's to say? <laughs> Doesn't narrow it down, though. Um, yeah, <laughs> could be either That's of true. Us. A lot of films do. That's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, if I'm doing my math correctly, that means that if you're listening to us, dear listeners, you should be able to listen mm-hmm. to the preview and the prologue, maybe even that first episode. But definitely, definitely check that out. While we still have a little bit of time, though, I do want to talk at least mm-hmm. uh, at least a little bit about uh, human resources. Yes. How how did that come about? When's when's the fascination for HR and conspiracies and putting them together? Yeah. So I think this. You no, know, I, I want to credit my longtime friend Emily St. James here because for a long time, uh, when we started writing together, we always joked about writing a show about low-level workers at the Dharma Initiative. Uh-huh. Nice. <laughs> uh, the, the Dharma Initiative from from Lost, like the people yes. that were putting the bunkers and running yeah. strange experiments on the mysterious island of mystery. Taking yes. care of polar bears. Yeah, well, yes, just like, what would it be like to be one of those grunts? Sure. And then, yeah, and then in uh, 2016, uh, now we had a manager at the time who we're no longer with, who was asking us for ideas and for like for just various ideas and we presented him with a batch of five potential audio drama ideas on the grounds like this is a thing we can make and Arden was one of those mm-hmm. but another one that I, I sat down and started to, to flesh out this idea and I decided you know what would be fun is Let's let's move away from the grunts idea a bit and focus just specifically on human resources and how like all of you keep seeing all these red shirts in these kinds of in these kinds of organizations. You keep seeing all these grunts who get turned into so much chaff by our main characters. Yeah. What is what is the process of getting those people? What is the process of like handling intercompany disputes and it's like you know what i want to do something that's specifically about the hr thing that seems like it could be a lot of fun absolutely uh, yeah and ultimately we ended up focusing on arden and this this ended up going by the wayside until this spring when uh the apollo podcasting app which is this wonderful new app that is trying to promote independent fiction it's trying to really be the home for audio fiction so reached out and we're like you know what we we would like to sort of commission a number of pieces from different creators and they've got a number of wonderful people working like jordan cobb and esther ellis and tal Manier and raul vega doing things for the showcase as well and they're like do you have anything and i was like you know what this seems like a really good yeah (laughs) this seems like a really good opportunity to dust off this old idea and see if it has any legs and i looked at the script that i'd written at that time and it was terrible i threw it out (laughs) started over from page one um as often happens with these kinds of setups yeah yes Yeah, it's like I just took the very basic idea and just completely started over. And then, yeah, and 
It was also, I think, at this time, I've worked a lot more white collar kinds of jobs. So I've seen a lot more of the corporate side of things and how that handles issues. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I had at that time. So I was able to bring a lot more of that to it. And then it's just a thing that came together. So really quickly, like I started working on it in May and it's going to come out in September. That's amazing. So that's like, exciting. That's awesome. And yeah. like, that's part of, mm-hmm. that's, that's one of the things that I so love about working in audio fiction of just kind of like, once you get that green mm-hmm. light, it's possible to kind of just like really leap mm-hmm. on that instinct and go and make yeah. something quickly. Yeah. And, you know, after many years of thinking about it, as often as yes. well. yes. the case, yeah. yeah. Of course. <laughs> It's also just a chance to have to sort of like play around with some of the the art and ensemble as we're sort of continuing to develop uh, a next season for that. But it's sort of in the meantime, it's like let's get let's bring in Michelle uh, right. Shannon Estabrook who plays Rosalind is in it. Ben Watts who plays Andy is in it. Nice and nice. like. <laughs> Yeah, do, all doing very, I would say, very different things than we asked them to do on I mean, Arden, which fun. is a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So when yeah. is this showcase going live? In September, you said? Yeah. So, yeah. So the whole showcase is going to sort of start coming out in early September and Human Resources is released on Wednesday, September 13th. All right. All right. Mark your so calendars. right around the corner, mm-hmm. really, both of these. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Uh, well, yes, th- it's it, been a real juggling act. <laughs> no, I was going to say, like, we're thrilled that you were able to find time in the press tour to be able to yeah. come back on No Bad Ideas. We're so excited to, like, promote these um, and to be able to listen mm-hmm. to them soon. If you had to say, I- I'm always curious, with human resources, like, if we had to sort of do mm-hmm. the, like, it's like X meets Y. What are there shows or books or films that come to mind to sort of describe the tone there? I mean, I borrowed the name of the main character from Thackeray's Vanity Fair because that's just a thing Ooh. I do. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Nice. Yeah. But yeah, I would say it's sort of, there's, I mean, there's something I would say very sort of, community or gravity falls about the style of humor excellent it but i would say i would say it's a bit darker than those things it's it's more i don't think cynical is the right word precisely but it it takes some dark turns so okay (laughs) so vanity fair plus community plus gravity falls plus bite yeah (laughs) love it (laughs) All right. Well, Chris, thank you so much for for sharing these these projects with us um, and and playing some music for us. This has been amazing. Um, and if people want to find you on the internet and and monitor all of the exciting things you have going on, how can they do that? Where should they go? So you can find me personally at at crystal eight six on Twitter. You can find my big score at just. It's a brand new Twitter feed, so I'm pulling it up to make sure I have it right. <laughs> yeah, so you can find my big score at at my big score pod 
and I highly recommend you follow it. We're going to be doing a lot of fun uh, discussion prompts and that kinds of things to sort of encourage the listeners to start thinking about what their score mm-hmm. would be. It's going to be a lot of fun with that. There's going to be a running like Spotify playlist uh, with a couple selections from each film that is chosen. And I think people are going to be really surprised by the variety of things that get picked because there's a lot of films that it's like, oh, this is not just the AFI top 25 list of best scores. This yeah. is every single choice is so personal. And then some of us are based. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was just trying to think about like, how mm-hmm. much of a curveball the thing that I talked about was versus how basic it was. And I think it's at least like a little bit of a funkier choice. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, no spoilers. Yeah, I've, I, I know mm-hmm. what, you, what you talk about, and it's not the thing that comes to the top of mind. But when you think about it, you're like, yeah, that's a great score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's been one of the real joys about doing that show is, yeah, just the variety of things that are chosen. So you can find, again, that's my big score at my big score pod. And then human resources, um, I would suggest looking for updates on that at, at Apollo Pods or Apollo Podcasts because they're running the whole showcase. And they're going to have, again, a ton of incredible creators doing really fun one-off things. Mm-hmm. Um that's and they're also doing so much they're really trying to promote independent audio fiction and give it the discoverability give it the the juice that these shows deserve and really these people love audio fiction they really care about it they really want to give creators the support and voice and backing that they they need to get their stuff heard totally Awesome. This has been No Bad Ideas, produced by Gabrielle Urbina, Sarah Shackett, and Zach Valenti. Many thanks to our patrons for their partnership in making this show happen. And a special shout out to our idealist members, Jennifer Schneider, Rena Sarame, Jeffrey Felsher, and Dia. Today's episode features music by Statesher and Jazar from freemusicarchive.org. You can support the show at nobadideaspodcast.com slash support. And if you love this show, please leave a rating or review wherever you listen and share it with someone you love.